Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Well, uh, hello, beautiful human. We got Dan here. Hey. And we welcome to the studio What's Bryce. Bye. All right. Hey. Hey. Clap for yourself. Yes. <laughs> you look so comfortable clapping yeah. for I'm yourself. I'm very comfortable, yeah. You, this you, is comfortable. Welcome. Thank you, man. I feel welcomed. You should, because it, it, I, I've wanted to get to know you in this setting for a minute. We were saying we did a tiny little interview. It's going to be a year ago. It I was know. Vegas, the Billboard Music Awards. And that was right around the time that Bryce, Bryce Vine was starting to get like a mainstream look. It's blossoming a little. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. That record changes your freaking life. Yeah, no joke. And that was around a year ago. Man, it was around longer than that. I mean, we put it out independently. We, I say we, me and my manager, uh, put it out independently on Spotify and made its way onto Music Friday. And then we were like, all right, that's a start, you know? And then I uh, get a call from my producer and he's like, hey, now all these labels, well, not all these labels, like there's a couple labels specifically that would be really great. And then we met with Rainey and it was just kind of instant. And when you say your producer, are you referring to Nolan? I am referring to Nolan. So Nolan is a big deal, but you guys meet while you're at Berkeley? Yeah. Yeah, we met my uh, freshman year of uh, college. Whoa. So at the time, what is your goal? Is your goal to be the star of the show? Is your goal to just be in music no matter what it is, behind the scenes? or What, in- then? Yeah. Back at Berkeley? I mean, I didn't really know, man. I, I just knew I wanted to write songs and do music i just was trying to find what my place was i knew i was an artist um because i always written songs just from my perspective of life and that's like it was like self-therapy you know what i mean so um i just kept trying things in school like i went to the gospel ensemble and i was in a punk band in high school and um i just kept trying to find my place and and hone in on things and then nolan was actually probably the first person to be like hey man i think you should just be the the voice and the talent and we should just work on your project i was like okay let's do it do you guys start working on songs before then like before he has that realization yeah i mean we were in a group together uh, at berkeley called crush club funny enough like (laughs) we put like four songs on myspace one time they're probably still up there it was me nolan and uh nick who's one of the dudes from lost kings um Cool. And we put four songs up online. We got reached out to by this DJ who's like, yo, there's this rapper I know. You guys should definitely work together. Let's do something. And the DJ was Carnage and the rapper was g Easy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> you never know, right? You never know, man. That's why you need to take those risks. You just got to put stuff out. Like, that's the first thing I tell people when they ask. Like, when I meet fans after show who are singers or people who reach out on Instagram, they're like, what's... What's step one? And I'm like, I guess learn an instrument and put stuff out. You know, let people hear it, get to it, give you feedback, even if it's negative, and work from there. So do you let g Easy put himself on that record? Yeah, we. I mean, G sang on a song that we had done in Crush Club. You could still find online. It's called Loveaholic. <laughs> and he did, like, a remix of it that was on Carnage's mixtape. And then we kept in touch through the years over there. I mean, I watched his entire career blossom from the time that he was uh, in at still at school in, in New Orleans. And I went out and visited him and watched him put up his own flyers. Um, 
to, you know, then watching him sell out Roxy, then Will turn to now where he's at, you know. So it definitely gave me a sense of patience because that was 10 years ago. Wow. But, I mean, even for you, that has to be validating, right? Hell yeah. The fact that somebody, anybody, wanted to put themselves on a record that you had a hand in producing, that has to give you some motivation to keep moving forward or at least letting you know that you're on the right track. Yeah, exactly. That's That's all it is. It's just like little check marks, you know, like, okay, if this happened, it's probably a good sign I should keep going, you know? Like, I, I was never under this delusion that I was just meant to be a star. I thought you had to find your way and find your place and, like, Work. and if things turned out, if life led you in that direction, then it probably meant that's where it was supposed to go. So what leads to this little trio breaking up? You, the dude from Lost Kings, and I think he goes by Sir Nolan, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, just everyone once, like, I left school early, and somebody went off to do uh, the L.A. program. Like, everybody was trying to do different things while we were also working on that. And I don't think anyone thought we were going to take Crush Club all the way to the top, so we just <laughs> all separated and did our own things but kept in touch. And, you know, I still, like, talk to Nick and see their progress with lost kings and everything it's it's cool man it's cool to see everybody who you already knew so long ago had something special all proving it it is special to watch and to see everybody on the come up like rise together in berkeley obviously there's something going on in boston that something up in there you know (laughs) create some yeah this little little heat going on over there but i always wonder is it berkeley attracting talented people or berkeley yes yeah, are, Berkeley uh, just attracts talented people. It's a honing ground for all the people that will be somebody in music at some point. You know what I'm like in in contemporary music. It's just it's that I don't remember one teacher's name really. Nobody made this huge impact on me. It was like you need like in every movie ever. You know. Um, <laughs> so you didn't learn anything in the classroom. I mean, I did for the time being. You know, I, I some of which I remember, but. It was like music school, you know, it's like trying to remember what you learned at Hogwarts. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I, I'm 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 good now. I figured I, le- I met the people I needed to meet. I learned the things I needed to learn, went into the right direction and I left. I didn't graduate. So how long did you have left before you before you I was decided halfway. To leave? I was halfway oh. through. Yeah. Well, Why did you decide to peace out? I took a music opportunity that had come my way. You kind of had to like Yeah. There's no guarantees in this, you know, and there's no guidelines. It's not like I just have to pass the bar and then and then I'm a lawyer, you know. It's like it came up and I was like, yeah, let's go for it. And luckily I had, like, gotten a scholarship, so, uh, so it wasn't, like, super taxing on my mom and dad. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what was the opportunity that led to you saying, okay, it's, this is big enough for me to take a break? It was called the Glee Project. Oh, so you do that in the middle. I thought that had come before school, but now no. it all makes sense in my head. No, no, yeah. So so everybody at Berkeley, Glee for a second was the biggest thing ever, and especially at a music school, it was yeah. a way in um, to music that was mainstream above all else. You know, there was never really like a show for theater school kids and stuff like that. That was so. casting normal-looking people all the freaking time. Yeah, you know. Just like that had something special about him. And I wasn't going to do it because I had never seen an episode of Glee. But everyone was talking about this. My mom, like, hit me up. And she was like, yo, 
you should audition for this. And I'm like, I don't think so. And she's like, just do it. And I put up a video of me singing uh, Gold Digger by Kanye in like my own way. And I kept getting called back and called back. And then I was one of 12 people that made it onto this show. And then the first one kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you go back to Berkeley afterwards? No. No, I didn't go back. Cause really? I, no, because I knew that... Um, I knew at that point, that's kind of what was a catalyst for me then putting out my own music. I just went right back to working with Nick um, and Nolan uh, on music and writing songs because I knew that once people saw me on national TV, even for one episode... It was the only opportunity I was going to get for them to hear my music and hear my songs. And I had started to kind of develop what I was, what my songs were, you know. So I put stuff up and that's really how I first started gaining fans, like that long ago. So Glee Project leads into Lazy Fair? Yeah. Which is an EP that is inspired by your parents' party boat. <laughs> my mom's. Uh, electric boat, yeah, on the lake that we lived on. <laughs> Westlake, right? Yeah, in Westlake Village. That's where you grew up. Um, From high school on, yeah. That EP, so that, Sir Nolan's on that too, right? He literally starts with you from the beginning, beginning, beginning. And he's even on La La Land. Oh, yeah. He's been with you no matter what. He's been the ride or die in this. It's it's my boy. The creative constant. Yeah. Yeah, we, we butt heads and work on everything together. But do you, do you want to butt heads with somebody you work with? Hell yeah. You need to. There's got to be some kind of creative push, you know, just to lead it to where it needs to be. Like, he knows how to make things a certain way, and it's his specialty, and I know how I want things to sound. And I produce a lot of it, too, so we'll, like, connect and kind of blend it together. And it's always it's always a struggle, but it always comes out worth it because we trust each other's judgment in the end. You want it to be a struggle. Yeah. Because if it's too easy, then it means one of you is getting your way. And nobody's <laughs> challenging it. Nobody's trying to make something better. Exactly. What that's is, a good, that's probably the best way to say it, actually. Zach Show. Yo, beautiful human. If you're ever stopped at a railway crossing and the signals are flashing and you don't see the train or it looks like it's moving slow and you're thinking maybe you can get across the tracks before the train comes, think about this. In 2018 alone, 270 people were killed at railroad crossings. 270. Stop. Trains can't. This message was paid for by NHTSA. Zach Sang Show. What is it about the two of you? What, why the two of you? I think we're just extremely different people. He's very analytical. He's very business savvy. He's, uh, he comes from a very different background than I do. Um, but he's a true musician. I mean, he's a like, concert-worthy piano player and the smartest person I know. And he's fair, and he 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 want he knows how things are supposed to sound. His taste is unbelievable, um, but I'm and I'm like all over the place, you know. I I write off of feeling and and things that I go through, and traveling around, and the ways that he's strong are ways that I couldn't even imagine, and vice versa. Do most of the records start with you? Do you come with the inspiration? Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty much all of them. So you bring it to him, and he you obviously feel safe and comfortable around him, no matter how personal <laughs> the topic is. Yeah, we light a couple candles, <laughs> you know. Uh, it could be. You just need people that are going to be like, this isn't right yet, or it is. They, you know, and like, I just don't have any yes people around me. 
you know, which is a good thing. It's too soon for yes people. Yeah. You must get a little bit more wealthy before you can have yes people. You, you can't do, afford them yet. You, yeah, exactly. It's the truth. I guess, uh, yeah, you got to be able to pay the, the yes people. Well, you pay them, and then at that point you know that, like, okay, you can have them here for, like, an ego boost. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> Just to, like, pet yeah. your ego. You, you don't really, I don't know. It can go either one of two ways. It can make you feel good in the moment, but ultimately lead you down a path that could be kind of crazy. Because I think part of your success could be that you work with a producer who has no problem telling you if it sucks or if it's awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Do you see yourself making music without him? Have you made a record without him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it weird? Funny. No. No, I mean, you go into... At this point, I'm so used to working with specific people. You know, like uh, like I'll work with one of the writers who did uh, High Hopes and he did like all the gym class heroes cool. stuff, you know, and me and him vibe really well. And this guy, Rami, who's been working with Max Martin forever, um, who we just vibe, you know, I, I vibe with songwriters. It's what I've been doing since I was 13 years old and I just keep getting better and better at it. So now I don't even usually go into sessions with Nolan. Most of the time I just start a song, finish it, show it to him. That's how La La Land became. We, me and my buddy JP wrote the whole song, and then Nolan was like, I think this might be a single. Oh, so in some cases it starts without him, then it goes to him. I understand. Yeah, many. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you just never know. Creativity is always different. It always comes from somewhere else. But the more people that I know who I trust, who write good songs for the sake of writing good songs, um, then I could bring it back to Nolan, and he just almost puts, like, the cherry on top, you know. Do you have a goal that you set before you start creating a record? Or do you go in with kind of no... Nah, I've, I used to. I used to be... I used to only write by myself. Like, things really started going well once I stopped writing by myself and kind of opened it up a little bit to, to what other people thought because I was putting too much pressure on it. And I was putting too much pressure on every line and, like, having to go back. It took me way longer to write songs than it does now because it's fun again. Like I kind of lost the fun of it a little bit and now I can play with things and and we can make jokes in the song and I write funny things that my friends say on my phone and use that as fuel for when I go in with somebody. I, I, I'm not so in my brain now. How, how has your art evolved from Sour Patch Kids to Drew Barrymore? Uh, What's the biggest change that you see or hear? Just maturity and a comfortability with what uh, what my sound really is. And it takes a while to kind of chip away at that. And now I have a thing, you know, and all my influences can be heard in it. And I know what what works for my tone and for my voice. You know, I'm not, I don't sing like Bruno Mars. <laughs> I never have had that voice. My voice has been low since I was like 17 so options dwindled <laughs> you know what I mean um and then I just found my sound you know and that's as long as it feels as long as I write it and um you know take part in all the creative process of it like it feels natural uh what's the word I'm looking for most authentic Sour Patch Kids is a good record thanks man lyrics are sick Thanks, man. Really vibe with it. It's good. But obviously so is Drew Barrymore. Huge hit. Is it, is it hard to get permission to use her name? Do you even ask first? Nah, I didn't. I'm just lucky she didn't sue me. <laughs> she probably liked it. Hope so. Dude, she was yeah. on the radio like crazy, and she, was, she didn't even have to do anything. 
No, she didn't. And I found out, like, uh, searches for her name went up, like, 30% from True Barrymore. That's like, you. Hey, good. <laughs> Are she glad you didn't sue me? He sh <laughs> she should have probably sent you a gift. I don't think that's necessary. Not suing me is plenty. Th that's, that's the <laughs> gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously this record, big deal for you. Do you feel, is it weird having your first big record be named after somebody who is this movie star iconic figure? No. <laughs> no. You know, however it came about. I didn't, I didn't go into Drew Barrymore knowing that it was a smash. You know, I was just like, uh. I was like, this all kind of works together. Like, let's see how it does. That's how I go into, like, every song. Otherwise, you put way too much pressure on it. You know, people try to, like, follow up hits all the time. And it's just like, I, I don't, I really focus on not thinking of it that way. I don't check the stats on my songs. I don't see, like, where they are on the radio. Really? Nah. I don't, I don't let any of that get in the way. I, I can't. Because if that becomes important, then all of a sudden there's this pressure to do it again instead of just... Doing what I already did and enjoying it. You have to keep enjoying it. I know a lot of people who can get lost in it, right? Like this idea that they had a huge song, it's everywhere, they need to match it, they need to do it again. And even sometimes that pressure comes from management or their label and they're like, oh, Hell yeah. you got to do this. We need another one of these. We're waiting mm -hmm. on you. You know, checking the fake watch. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not like there's not pressure, but there's already enough pressure. You know, I don't need to add it myself. I, if, if I wrote a good song once, I could probably do it again. That's, like, how I feel. So it. why do we put YG on this record, La La Land? You know, it was, first of all, two reasons. First, we were like, this is great. It feels incomplete. You know, when I finished the song, it was just, it was, like, two minutes and ten seconds long. And I'm talking about California and all the, like, kind of being satirical about the culture and everything. But there's a whole side of it that I'm not part of, you know, that that I've never been part of. I wear like tie dye shirts and stuff. And YG <laughs> kind of represents that side, you know. So I thought, if anything, it, if it's not going to come from me, it should come from somebody who's the opposite side of California's culture. So the opposite of Bryce Vine. Is I don't know if he's the opposite of Bryce Vine. I mean, I most of my influences are rap. It's not like that. It's just where he comes from and like what his side. Of culture represents is is just different for me. Did you, you have other people in mind other than YG? Yeah, yeah, we had a couple people in mind, um, but he was first on my list. We didn't think we were gonna get him, so we moved on to a couple other people that I was like cool with. But right after New Year's, um, I got a call from Rainey, the head of the label, and uh, my, and Nolan and my manager, and they were like, we have a new version of La La Land. We don't want you to freak out. Um, but it's kind of different. I'm like, what do they do to ruin my song? <laughs> um, and YG was already on it. They had figured it out. So I took no part in making it happen, but I was so <laughs> excited when I heard that. Had you given the green light to another person doing the feature? Yeah, I thought for a split second that that's what they were trying to surprise me with was like my second choice yeah. guy. And I was like, all right, cool. But then I knew immediately, like, this is not that dude. <laughs> Who is this? Oh, this is YG for sure. They got him somehow. It's pretty cool. It's so cool. It's so cool when you could trust your team like that too, you know, to make something happen that you were excited about um, while you're on vacation with your best friends. <laughs> 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 that, I mean, that's not, 
maybe not like a, a solid sign that you've made it, made it, but a sign that like things are going really well. Like I said, you know, little signs that show that you're moving in the right direction. You know, if that hadn't worked out, we would have figured something else out, but the stars align the right way. And, you know, I always think there's a reason that that kind of stuff happens. So if YG's on the song and you didn't know it was happening, did you give it? Obviously, you couldn't give him any like story behind the song. Well, yeah, that's actually the reason that he got on the song. I found out after is he did. So Rainey had figured out a connection that she had with somebody in YG's camp and he played him the song and he liked it, um, but he didn't know anything about me, really. You know, it was just like Drew Barrymore online, but he went and looked and looked at my Instagram and my website and like kind of saw what my vibe was and and then recorded it like a couple days later. So that's a nice compliment too. You know, that somebody like YG who's comes from where he comes from and does the kind of music he does can still see the value in what I'm trying to do and be down to be a part of that. What are you trying to do with your music in general? What's your mission? What's your motivation? My whole family is like this. So like we like bringing people together, but they um, all of them do it in different ways. My dad was like a very modest restaurateur, and he brings people together through food. And um, we just had my grandma's, uh, I guess it was like a memorial. She died last year, but we brought all of the friends that my dad grew up with. They flew from Miami and New York and cool. all to, to, to pay their respects to my grandma, who was just like a super warm open everyone was welcome she brought people together through food little italian woman um and uh and you know i i realized that's like that kind of stuff makes me happy my mom always had an open household she made everyone welcome day or night you know my friends still call her with issues that they have it's just how i grew up and music is my kind of way of bringing people together and um it makes me feel good and it makes me feel good to meet people through it and, and to meet fans and hear their stories and, and have them connect to the songs, which are my way to connect to people. So, um, yeah, it makes it all pretty worth it, man. It's cool. How do you measure success? Is it, what is it? Is it, if you're not checking the amount I'm st- of... I'm still figuring it out, you know. I've already passed a lot of checkpoints that I had, you know. Um, like what? So now I make new ones playing uh, for the VMAs, you know, that was a big one. I didn't think it was going to be the same year that I put out the first song that, you know, got me signed, got all, made all this stuff start happening. Um, so now it's like, cool. I, I have money for the first time. So congratulations. Thanks. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing to have. Um, but I like can help and, and take my friends out and like help them with their issues. My buddy like had to put send his mom to surgery and he needed to get her something and I can like help him with that now. And then uh, I can like take my mom out for a nice dinner and you know it's just like little things like that that like make you excited to keep doing new and more songs. And like I said, meeting the fans, seeing the crowd get bigger and bigger. Um, I'm kind of just figuring it out as I go still, man, <laughs> you know, but, I don't know. But there's no part of, a part of you that's afraid of like not having another big song because you write good songs. So you have this confidence that you'll turn out another one. It's like the only confidence that I have now that wasn't ever like, 
I don't know. I struggled with confidence in general as myself as an artist, as a songwriter, forever. I remember even when I was at Berkeley, I called my mom like two months in. And I was like, I don't think I deserve to be here. I'm surrounded by the most talented kids in the world and they can all sing better and play more instruments than me. And I didn't know what I had to offer still. And uh, she just said, well, they seem to think that you're worth it. So I'll just keep doing the work. So that's really just what I focused on because I didn't have the confidence in my songwriting. I didn't have any of that. And then this last year, like everything was validated, you know, so now I don't have that fear. I just have to keep doing what I'm doing and and stick with the same people, make the same decisions, try to stay away from drugs and alcohol too much, you know, <laughs> and so I just keep rolling with it. Like I said, man, I wish I had some grand master plan, but um, I like the way things are moving. Carnival is going to be the name of the next EP? Uh, it's the first album. The first album. Yeah, I've never put out an album before, so it'll be the first one, yeah, like late June. Whoa, so like soon. Soon. Yeah, it's all done. What? How many records? Uh, 10, 11. I look at her. <laughs> 10 or 11. Yeah. And what story are we telling? Uh, there's a bunch, man. I mean, like I said, I try to write things that I'm going through because it's self-therapy for me as much as it is just like fun songs. Like, um, So when did you write this batch of songs? Over what period of over time? Over the last year and a half, two so, years. So since Drew Barrymore blew up or right before? Uh, Yeah, a little before. Some of them. Some of them, you know, I've been working on three years plus and then only just like got done and some of them are brand new and i've just started them and finished them a couple months ago what does carnival mean is that your life yeah it's kind of the way my mind works too you know it's like super colorful there's a lot going on very add um but it's all like within a theme i guess you, uh, you've mentioned the word carnival before in your music so like i feel like that is something that follows you yeah lazy fair yeah. It was the first EP, Night Circus. It was a book that I actually read that I loved, and uh, and I named the EP that. And then I started to realize, okay, this is already becoming a theme. So Carnival is the last one. <laughs> That's you. It's your head. Guess so, man. I'm down to listen. Where <laughs> where did La La Land start? Because I kind of feel like you're you're talking about L.A. culture and stereotypes, but it almost seems like you're mocking it in a way. Oh, yeah, it's totally satirical. Yeah. Yeah, but... That's just the way it is out here. You know, no one's going to pretend like that's not true. People talk about their house in the hills and they're all over Instagram. I mean, it is part of the culture. And like even La La Land, the movie, is kind of a little bit satirical. Mm -hmm. on it. It's like a romanticized version of what LA life is like. So, so did you have like a conversation or did something spark it? Or it was just like in general? I was, where, where were we? I was just at my. JP's place, uh, my buddy, and I think I think we actually went into it like we should kind of like write a song that sounds like we're having a sarcastic conversation with a girl, you know? And it's like, oh yeah, that sounds fun. Like, oh, you live in the canyon? How big is your mansion? And we're like, yeah, and that's just kind of how it started. The douchiest phrases one can come up with. Yeah, you had to throw Coachella the, 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 in there. The big roll eyes, you know, like the things. Yeah, everyone's got to go to Coachella. Um, one Oak, yep, got that one. Yep. I don't know one girl that's moved out here from someone else that's, that's never been to One Oak. 
That's so good. You do, you shout out a lot of stuff though. A lot of things that tie everybody together. Like a lot of central, whether it's cans of Coke or One Oak, you know, you have no problem throwing things in there. Just it makes things more fun. You know, we've heard "Baby, I Love You" a, a lot of times in songs. So like, like I said, it it makes things more fun when I could figure out a way to even throw in a character from a movie. Like I have a whole uh, song on the album called San Junipero that I wrote completely based off of an episode of Black Mirror called San Junipero. It's like the, the less limits that I give to myself, I've realized the more fun it is and the more songs I can come up with. So stuff like that. I, I have a song um, on the album that when I wrote it, I imagined people would be listening to it at their, at their wedding. Like it would be their first song at their wedding. So I, Whoa. So do you imagine what your first dance and your wedding's like in that moment? No. What do you imagine? Somebody else's. <laughs> What's more challenging for you? Putting yourself into like a TV episode or somebody else's wedding or writing about your own self? What's harder? Yeah, what's more challenging? For sure, writing about outside experiences apart from my own. Yeah, like writing the song about that episode of Black Mirror. It was fun, but it was definitely a new challenge. Um, I know best things that I go through, you know, and pretty normal guy like I think I go through a lot of the same things that most people go through like even when it comes to love and heartbreak and trying to find your yeah place in the world and trying to know what your own value is and feel comfortable in your own skin and having this filter between you and the rest of the world and, and trying to understand it better and you know there's just there's a lot that I have to and I read a lot so that helps too you know I, I it helps me figure out new ways to say things and keep the wheels spinning. And I think that's why the fans like really gravitate towards it because a lot of people feel related to. Yeah. In a unique way, though, that's different. You know, you said it before. It's like not your typical I love you, baby. Like, you know what I mean? You, you word <laughs> things in unique ways that are different. It's still stories that resonate and connect with people. But I don't know. You tell the stories in a fresh way. Thanks, it's man. Pretty cool. Why did you want to shoot the music video in a sound stage instead of actually going outside and doing it? <laughs> we did want to go out. Actually, the the original idea for the La La Land video was to just show different iconic places in L.A. And honestly, we didn't have time. I was leaving for the headline tour. We had maybe like a week between things that were going on. And um, we knew YG wasn't in town, so he wasn't going to be able to do it. We were like... We honestly were running out of ideas. We were like, we don't know what to do now. I left for tour. We were like, maybe we'll just fly back and shoot the video at some point. And then my publicist walked into to Rainey's office one day and was like, what about, what about a soundstage? And we were like, oh my God, of course. That makes perfect sense. Of course you would shoot this on a soundstage because you're putting L.A already in a box yeah so you might as well just do it literally and it was and you could do it anywhere you know at first we were almost going to shoot it in detroit in a sound stage and then just build the sets because it was part of the just the tour route um but i ended up flying back and just by the stroke of luck yg was in town the one day that we decided to shoot the video <laughs> and he was down to come do it he showed up like a half hour early like <laughs> Everything went smoothly. Like it was, it was unreal. Meant to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hopefully. 
Yeah. What do the gummy bears in the video represent? I mean, what do you think they represent? Okay, I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I had heard about this... When we put that scene together, specifically like the, the weird, trippy, drugged-out scene, there was a party specifically I've never been to, but I've heard about it from a couple people that's this wild, super-exclusive, like, sex party, eyes-wide-shut type of and it's so far from my life that I, that I, I was, like, imagining what that place would be like. And that's why we put that scene in there. A part of me wants to figure out where. And yeah, I want a more part details. of you. Yeah, I feel like 90% of you wants to figure out where. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Any other thoughts there, Dan? Well, just quickly, you've said before that your favorite band is uh, Third Eye Blind. Yeah. That's not something I would expect. Yeah. <laughs> well, why Third Eye Blind? I was like 13 years old and I heard Semi-Charmed Life and I was like, this song gets me. You know, it like made me feel good. It struck all the right chords. It was kind of rappy the way that you did it. It was original, like the lyrics, but it was about something that was clearly something this guy had really gone through, which was methamphetamine addiction and trying to get over it. Um, I don't know. It just felt like a song that like a real person had written. And then I listened to the rest of their stuff and every song was something a lot of people don't talk about like the lyrics that Steven Jenkins and the rest of the band put into it were more than just like I love you baby like I said they have a song about a woman who a friend of theirs who, who was different after domestic abuse and how touching her you could feel the sparks on her skin you know these are things that you don't have to write about um but they went there you know and it, I just resonated with that. It made me think you could write about anything you wanted to. And I still love them for that. Do you, you obviously keep that in mind as you create today, right? This idea that you can write about anything. Yeah. So inspiration can come from wherever. Yeah. I mean, and it does. Right? We see like that even in art forms that I don't understand. Like when I go to the MoMA <laughs> and I see some, I saw blinds on the ground. That was a display. That was somebody's art, and I, I don't get it. I don't get it, but it clearly comes from everywhere. Blinds on the ground. Yeah, like window curtain blinds on the, on the ground. That was a display at MoMA. Don't look at me. No. I, I'm going to think it into it now. Bryce Vine, everybody. I was actually just thinking when you said rap and third eye blind. It's the same. Well, yeah, but the end of uh, Never Let You Go, he has that like 40 seconds. I remember seconds. the stupid things, the mood rings, the bracelets and the bees. Yeah. Yeah, that part. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah there are similarities raps. between the two. Yeah. The way you handle your, your vocals, you know, like in the way you handle your lyrics, singing, rapping, more like spoken word. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot more spoken word stuff. And I mean, even with um, like Arrested Development was a big uh, band for me when I was growing up. It was like super positive rap that was kind of just talking. Um, who else is like that? Um even Tupac in a lot of songs, you know, he talks mm -hmm. about things that he didn't have to talk about. He could have just done what everybody else was doing. Frank Ocean, Gorillaz, all these guys who kind of push push you into a direction that you weren't expecting to go. Do you feel like you need to take have records on your album that are more emotional or more dark or deeper to go places where other people aren't going? Or can you stay upbeat and positive and fun and still be able to tell stories that nobody else is sharing? I don't think there's anything wrong with doing both if you can, if you have the dynamic. Like, there's just some things I won't talk about because I haven't been through it, you know? And until I do, 
if I do, you know, like the, I've talked about heartbreak, but only after I went through it, you know, I never really was able to write that song until afterwards. And then, and falling in love and, um, making big mistakes and wondering what fu the future is going to be like and, um, seeing the world as just a human of earth and people arguing over gun control and, and, and everything else. It's just like, there's so much coming at you all the time. And I try to just put into words how it feels to be confused and young and, and just trying to work things out. Carnival. That is the album. June. It hits. Yeah. No firm date. Part of the month. Mid. Something like that. I'll say something like that. Okay. Yeah. June. Mid June. Some, something like that. Carnival. That is the album name. His name is Bryce Fine. La La Land is a single. It features YG. Hey. It deserves your ear. Drew Barrymore. That was your first big one. I thank you for hanging out. Your shoes are making me dizzy, me, man. I and, know. And he's staring at them, just yeah. like confused. Yeah. I feel like I'm moving. I did that on purpose. <laughs> oh, they do look. Whoa. Uh, whoa. You feel drunk? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Wow, and I'm not. Weird. Brace fine, everybody. There I go clapping for myself again. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.